it shows how sick we are as a nation that we put politics and even our perception of people and a, of a person above every, it blinds you to everything else. Truth doesn't matter. Science doesn't matter. God doesn't matter. I want to hate a person. Matter. Children don't matter at all. And, and that's why Sound of Freedom is being attacked because they don't want to have this conversation about the 85,000 children. Welcome to the Founder Podcast, where we explore the journeys of some of the most successful and inspiring entrepreneurs from around the world. I'm your host, Chris Lee, a serial entrepreneur with a passion for building and growing businesses. Throughout my career, I founded multiple nine-figure businesses and learned a thing or two about what it takes to succeed in the world of business. I want to share those lessons with you by searching out the coolest guests on planet Earth and have them share their own incredible stories. But this podcast, it's not just for entrepreneurs. It's for anyone that's looking to be inspired by these stories of people who have overcome incredible odds and create something truly remarkable. So join me on this journey as we explore the fascinating world of entrepreneurship and meet the founders that are shaping it today. Let's dive in. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Founder Podcast. Today, we have an extremely special guest. So typically I'm interviewing entrepreneurs that have incredible exits, whatnot, but this is a subject that I am more passionate about than anything, more than business, goes right up there with God. And uh, today we are going to be talking with Mr. Tim Ballard. Welcome to the show, Tim. Tim is the founder of OUR. He's written several different books. The guy has gone around the world serving missions, rescuing children from sex trafficking and child, child labor. It's absolutely incredible what he is doing. Uh, you probably heard about his most recent movie that's come out, The Sound of Freedom. I was able to watch it on July 3rd, the day before the official release. Uh, one, I mean, it's rocking the box offices, $130 million. you got so many cool things going on, Tim. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much. Great to be here. Oh, man. And also, I am joined by my, uh, my co-founder, business partner, Daryl Kelly. Daryl, um, as you guys know, uh, has been one of my business partners for many, many years. Uh, we started business 18 years ago, and um, I wanted to have him on the show just because it was a special one, being able to, to hang and spend a little time with you, Tim, uh, jump in. You know, it's, it's interesting. Um, there's not many things that I donate my money to, okay? I donate my money to God, to, to religion, because I really believe in that, and I've donated my money into saving children from uh, sex trafficking. It's, those are the only two I've ever donated my money to, so I'm really excited uh, to have you. Um, dude, tell us, tell us a little bit um, your, your story. Obviously, um, if anybody has seen the movie, they know that you were a government, uh, you worked for the government. Kind of dive into that a little bit deeper. Yeah, yeah. So I spent 12 years as a special agent, undercover operator uh, for the Department of Homeland Security, working almost exclusively child crimes cases. So infiltrating child trafficking networks, infiltrating on a digital, um, you know, approach, undercover approach, everything. Uh, and uh, in 2006, the laws changed in the United States uh, with the passage of a law called the Adam Walsh Child Protect Act. What it did was it allowed U.S. agents to go overseas to find um, um, American pedophiles who were abusing children overseas, and we could hold them accountable as if they had committed those crimes on U.S. soil. That changed my world because not only was I just doing kind of the end user, like, those possessing child rape material, but now it's uh, let's go find the kids that they're hurting. Uh, 
no one could have predicted what would happen after that. But, you know, when you work on a bureaucratic system, see, the, the problem is child trafficking knows no borders and boundaries. Unfortunately, bureaucracy does. And so I ran into a lot of problems where I'd get really deep and then told to come home because I, I didn't link it quick enough or strong enough back to the U.S. And you don't just find the Americans right away, right? You could take some time, but you don't care. You don't care what kind of, who, what the kid is. I don't care what nationality the kid is. It's, it's a child of God and it doesn't matter. So I'm committed emotionally and every other way in ways that transcend governments or borders or boundaries. And, and so the U S government didn't mean to, but it was kind of torturous to like, got to come home, got to come home. But I made myself the bait, you know, 2013 comes around and I'm working two cases, one in Haiti where uh, a little boy who was kidnapped from Haiti, but he was a U.S. citizen. I promised his father when I met him in 2012 that I would never stop until I found his son. Um, we were narrowing in on him, and then I was told, stop, not a U.S. case. U.S. citizen kid, yes, but not a U.S. case. It was Haitian crime, and I'm like, well, geez. Then the Haitians aren't doing anything about it. The father is by himself. At the same time, I was consulting in Colombia on a different uh, matter, fighting human trafficking, and that, that you see that depicted in the film Side of Freedom. So but, let's let's dive uh, a little bit into, so so everybody that's jumped into the, uh, in the movie theater the last few weeks, obviously, what is it, like we're hitting 130 million? I think we're, that's where we're about to approach, yeah. Wild, yeah. okay. So everybody knows that story that's seen it, right? And if you haven't seen it, go and see it. It's an incredible message that we need to basically shine the light on these cockroaches, right? Let, let the world know what's happening so that we can go and fight it. Um, but this other story, and I know this isn't a story that you have told very often. And, and I actually had the opportunity to hear this story from a good friend of mine, Russell Brunson. Yeah. And, uh, because he had kind of firsthand experience, let's, let's dive in into that experience. So how did, how did this all come about? So, and, and we talked off offline a little bit. I've never told this story. Um, I've never felt it was appropriate, but I'm, I, I think it is. I think I will tell it. Um, you and I share the same faith and. So we know, uh, you know, we have a little more context here. But I was, um, it was actually uh, a, a member, I won't, I'm not going to say the, the name of the person, but it was a member of, of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles, who's the, our high leadership, right? In the Catholic Church, that'd be like a cardinal, basically calling you in. Very concerned because it, there's a little boy who was a member of this congregation, of, the, of, of, of our church, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So how did he get a hold of you? Uh, well, he had he had called me into his office, uh, maybe a, that the, the year before, uh -huh. because he had read one of my books. Oh, really? And uh, it was called The American Covenant, and and the book talks about uh, it. It talks about basically this idea that the founding fathers understood, and it's 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 backed by Bible. In fact, the founding fathers quoted out of the Bible more than any other source upon building the nation. That's proven. A guy named Donald Lutz did a whole study on it, and. It's, it's overwhelming that the most influential piece of literature that, that, that instructed and, and influenced the Founding Fathers was the Bible, particularly Deuteronomy, the book that built, tells you how to build one nation or God. It's also, built by, it's also backed by a book that you and I believe in called the Book of Mormon, which it's this concept of a covenant on the land. If you are righteous, you will prosper in the land is a summary of it. Right. The Founders believed that. They believed that righteousness was key. George Washington said in his first inaugural address, that the blessings of heaven can never be expected on a nation that disregards the eternal rules 
of order and right, which heaven itself has ordained. That's right out of the Bible. It's right out of the Book of Mormon. It's right out of the, 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 the Judeo-Christian thinking, which that's how you build one nation under God. So that's, that's, I've, I've written a series of books, in fact, uh, that, that touch that theme. Yeah, I, I actually had the opportunity to read the, uh, the Washington Covenant, or the, uh, what's it called? The Washington, Washington Hypothesis. Hypothesis, yeah. Yeah, fantastic book. Yeah, for anybody look, looking for a good read, it's awesome. Well, so, so he reads this book. What was it that stuck out about him that's like, man, I need to have this guy in my Well, he, 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 he called me in, and he said, I want to help you. The, the nation needs this. And it wasn't, it wasn't about the Church of Jesus Christ, like I was saying, the Mormons. It wasn't about that at all. It was about this is a message that, that, that needs to get out. To, to the world that, that righteousness does bring forth the blessings of heaven. And if we're losing liberties, if we're, lo- if we're going crazy, and you know, it's because we're not turning to God, we're pushing God out, which is something that's this horrific trend that's happened since about the 60s, 70s, and it's just getting worse and worse and worse. And when you take God out, it gets backfilled by all sorts of crazy things that are now affecting children, right? And, and see, now here's a part that I didn't, he, he helped me understand that the world of, of fighting human trafficking and child trafficking in particular and this world of the covenant on the land are the same. Right. It took me years and actually guidance from, from this spiritual mentor to help me actually see the same thing. And here's the analogy he gave me. He said, imagine you, you are, as a, as a child rescuer, whatever you want to call me, but that's like standing in the waterfall and bodies are falling and some are alive and some are dead and you're trying to get as many as you can to resuscitate, and, and that's great. Someone's got to be there. But at some point, you got to go upstream. Why are the bodies falling in? What kind of wicked culture or system or whatever it is, or bad policies or whatever it is that's allowing this to happen, you better get up there. And once you get up there, what you're going to find is there's only one solution. There's only, there's only one solid, effective guardrail that's going to keep kids and others from falling in. It's the covenant on this land. It's what built this nation. It's what built ancient Israel. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's the only thing that, that can build a solid family and, and a personal life. And so that's kind of the connecting points. And so he was kind of helping me with that, helping me message it and bringing in really powerful people, like experts in the field, like a guy named Ken Croak, who he's the founder of Inside Cells. He's now, he's now on the board of, of the Spear Fund, which is something we'll talk about in a second. But so anyway, so he's kind of helping me, you know, uh, with that and, and just guiding me. And, and that's when one time, you know, maybe the 11th meeting we, we were meeting, he said, I want to talk about something else. He said, this little boy was kidnapped from our church, from our congregation. And uh, I want you, you know, I want you to go find him, whatever you can do to find him. I was in the, I was in the government at the time. So I, uh, I, went, I, I tried. <laughs> I tried, but now I tap into the world. I was, this is when I was already in the kind of the frustrating phase of, no, you can't. No, you can't. No, you can't. And it's not, it, it, I wouldn't, I'm not pointing the finger that my boss is. I probably have to say the same thing to myself. Jurisdictional limitations, budgetary problems, you know, continuing resolutions in Congress where that means you don't have a budget because the, the Congress can't agree on a budget, right? So, so many obstacles and we couldn't get these cases done. Um, and I came back to, to this spiritual mentor, this apostle, and said, I can't, I can't do it, you know? This is the same time. At this time, had you gone down and tried? Had you oh, yeah. made some effort? Like, yeah, I had made some that? effort. I had, I had talked to the father. I had, I had done a whole analysis. I was sending informants with my own money <laughs> into, the, into Haiti. We had, we had identified the location where we thought he was being kept at a false orphanage already. It was killing me. 
It's like, I got to get in there. I got to get in there. And that's when I got, I lost my authority and, and funding. Um, at the same time this is happening, and by the way, you can go to PragerU and they just launched an episode, a series on PragerU called Light in the Darkness, which tell, it's an amazing docuseries that tells this whole story. Um, also, the story is told on a, on a, a documentary uh, that Russell Brunson executive produced called right. Operation Two Saint. It's on Amazon Prime. It's really good. Or YouTube. It's free. So um, you can, that, that whole story is there. At the same time this is happening, the Columbia thing is happening. Okay, but we'll save that. People can watch that. Uh, if that sound of, that's the story of Sound of Freedom. So, um, so he basically, I came back and I said, the only way I could possibly find this kid, and by the way, any, any of these kids in Colombia, I'd have to quit my job. And, you know, he was, he was very encouraging. He said, well, want a blessing? No. I'm like, yeah, I might need like 12 blessings. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and so that's, that's kind of the origin story. Um, I mean, of course, I, I, I found newspaper articles about the boy. It, it had made it to the Utah press because the boy was born in Utah. Right. His name is Gardy. So we end up going down, and, and it's, it's a crazy story. I've, I've written about it in my book, Slave Stealers, and it's in these documentaries. Um, you know, we went down and, and found the bad guys. They had already sold Gardy. We have, we've not found him yet. I was, I was with his father just uh, uh, two days ago in D.C. Uh, we're, still, we're still making efforts. The Spear Fund is picking this one up, and we're going to continue looking for this little boy. Uh, we did rescue 28 children out of the false orphanage, yeah. and we ended up adopting two of those kids. So it's, it's a very uh, personal story, but that, that the origin really was, you know, that's... You know, it's interesting. So I, I heard this same story from a different perspective from Russell Brunson, right? So Russell um, had, wasn't involved at the time. You were having these discussions with this certain apostle, right? And, and he was brought in as a potential be able to help and fund and, and be able to go and like catapult this right and get it get it get it off the ground and one of the things that he shared with me was just like how much the spirit of god was involved in this right like just the guidance and and even like this particular apostle um told you guys hey you need to go and do this and according to russell he was like well, how and he's like go figure it out yeah you know and, and just like just know that God was going to work through you. And uh, I know you shared something off record. I actually would encourage you to, to share just kind of the words that this particular apostle of encouragement that he gave you. Um, yeah, so it was interesting, right? And yeah, this is the first time I've ever said this out public, but, um, you know, he, he, he said that... Uh, and this is crazy, and, and I have, I'm going to... Before I say this, I'm going to tell you, Ken Krogh, Who's on the on the board of the Spear Fund? I was in the room when this happened, and this was 11, 12 years ago. And he said, "Look, Tim, this message about the upstream stuff—that's where the rescues are really going to happen. It's the preventative stuff. It's it's the thing that heals the nation." Right? Again, I'm working on a book about Ronald Reagan. He talked about this. He he, in fact, he 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 his inaugural scripture that he put his hands in was uh, 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 from from. Uh, First Chronicles, I believe, uh, but it, it, it says that, you know, if you will turn to me, I will heal your land. You know, these, these are biblical prophecies, right? And, and that is the key to saving children, and not just children, but it's like, look, we, we could all be enslaved. I mean, it, it, we live in a country right now where the Constitution is, on, it is hanging by a thread. Like, look at the st what state governors are doing, right? Like, like, for example, just look at California. I, that's, where I'm, that's where I'm born and raised, right? 
Like when COVID came in, there's no exception in the constitution for pandemics. You can't shut down churches. Like literally the revolutionaries of 1776 fought for a lesser cause <laughs> right. than that. Yes. The king wasn't shutting down their churches. Amen. They would have gone, they would have gone double speed. Right. Now only a third, by the way, of the population at that time was actually had had the power to do it. Two thirds were like, oh, we're not gonna fight this. But they were fighting at the end over a three percent tax on a commodity, not an, even an income tax. But they weren't being represented. Right. And so they didn't feel like you can give them a three percent tax even on just a commodity. Because they negotiated down to just tea. Right. Right. So and they fight can you imagine what they would have done if the king said, <laughs> Oh, and by the way, smallpox is coming, shut down all your churches. And what did California do? It rolled over. And 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 Gavin Newsom became an emperor. The Constitution, it was built for that moment in history, by the way. Right. That moment in history. That's what it's built for. Oh, and they, I all, mean, they all just rolled over. We're from Washington State. <laughs> Same thing was happening in Washington State, right? Like uh, Governor Inslee. I mean, him and Newsom are best best buddies, right? Like, and we are just sitting over there on Eastern Washington, conservative Eastern Washington, just fighting, fighting this one thing. I mean, it was it was religion, it was business, it was everything. They took away all of our freedom. Yeah. State officials? Yes. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They, they, there are all kinds of fines that they were going to put on us. We fought, the, fought it to the hill wow. because we weren't wearing masks. Everything wow, else. wow, wow. Yeah, it's crazy. So, so anyway, the, the point is, like, this, the Constitution mattered. It's, it was, it's a document that, that, that God inspired. The Founding Fathers will tell you that. Uh, and so we could all be enslaved. I, mean, I remember this, this, as this apostle once asked me, he said, how are you going to rescue any of these kids in, in like the rawest form of slavery when you're in every, when we're all slaves? Like, oh my gosh, because it can happen that fast. It's happened before that fast. You know, I love looking at the example of North Korea. Yeonmi Park, if you know her, she's a, she's a good friend of mine. She's one of the, she's the most famous North Korean defector, and she talks about how look when 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 Ronald Reagan said that that liberty can be lost in, in any it's only one generation away. Right. Well, he, he's it's. He, the proof is in the pudding with North Korea. With Korea, right? Post World War II was cut in two, capitalism and and in freedom, constitutional type principles. South, they, they, it was the same country, same heritage, same DNA, same natural right. resources, everything the same. Right. But they they drew they drew an arbitrary line, capitalism here, socialism, communism here, up north. It didn't even take a generation. Tyranny, freedom. It's that quick. So ideas do matter. <laughs> right. Policies do matter. Right. And they can make you a slave really fast. And, and it's slavery. And to your, and to your point, uh, I mean, COVID is the perfect example of this. We all experienced it. We all experienced like immediate slavery across the board. Right. Know? I mean, sheep doing things that made wow. no sense. Wow. Double mass, triple mass, eating in outdoor tents. Like, I mean, it was absolutely wow. acidine the, the way that, uh, you know, that whole thing went down. So the idea was you got to be a voice for this stuff. Tim, you've written about it. You, you're, you've proven it, in, it through history. And that's what this next book I'm, I'm putting out. Um, the, first, the first few books were very LDS-based right. because I, I, I use a lot of Book of Mormon principles right. and stories along with biblical, which will turn off a ton of people. They won't even look at them, which is fine. That's fine. You, don't, you don't have to. It's all biblical also. Um, and so the new book I'm putting out is it's called Ronald Reagan and the Ancient Covenant of Liberty. Where it's all, it's just biblical. It's, it's Reagan understood. It's interesting. Only three presidents that you can really, really nail down invoked this covenant loudly and clearly. 
They also are the only three presidents in American history, maybe with the exception of Eisenhower, but, but the only three presidents in history that literally, through their policies and actions, liberated millions of people. George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, and Ronald Reagan. Hold on, before we, we've got to finish the story. I know, you're going to get out of there. The I'm story. like, I'm going to get out of it. I'm going to get out of it. Oh, <laughs> dude, we got to hear the story. So yeah, what did he question. tell you? That's an so, awesome question. So, we will go there. And it, it's, you know, it's, I'm a little bit shy to say just because it sounds so, um, people will just, will rip, I don't, you know, I don't care. I, look, I've been accused of everything over the last month just because of the success of Sound of Freedom. Right. I've been called a pedophile, a trafficker, a deep, dark Masonic wizard, uh, all sorts <laughs> of things, like on and on and on. <laughs> so they can use this as well. but. Um, but basically he said, he said, you know, Tim, one of the last issues on the table, and when he said this 10 years ago, we weren't even nearly as divisive as, as right. we are today, not even close. But he said, he said the last one of the very last issues on the table, and I would contend that today, I couldn't even say this is true, but back then you could, that everybody, left, right, up, down, I don't care what political, religion, yeah. whatever creed or whatever, children shouldn't be raped. Unfortunately, that's not exactly on the table anymore. That's been politicized, and we can get into that. I think that's one of the reasons Center Freedom is taking so much flack. Not that people are saying they should be raped, but they're, getting, they're, they're going that direction, and we'll get into that. But, um, uh, and he, 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 he said that uh, because it's still a, an, an issue that everybody can embrace, it's, it is a unifying issue. And I think it is still. It is unifying enough that 130 million people or I'm sorry, 10 million people have bought tickets to see out of freedom. Silent right? majority standing it's, up. Because it's, it's a silent majority. Um, but he says, then what are you going to do? What's the message? Well, of course, it's continue rescuing kids. But you need to, he said, you need to use that platform. And he said this to me, and I'm, and I'm sorry, like, you guys, everyone can hate me and think I'm dumb and arrogant, because I'm not. I'm just telling you what he said in front of Ken Krogh. And, you know, to me, and you know this, this person's a prophet. He has prophetic gifts, yeah. which, and, and I believe that, and I, I will, I, I'll, you know, take that to my grave that I believe that. But, um, but he, he said to me about 11 years ago, he said, you, now mind you, like when this, when he said this, my wife and my parent and my parents knew my name. That's it. Like, you know, I didn't, no one knew who I was. He said, you were, you need to be prepared because you are going to be a household name. But for someone to say that to you, just like, especially from somebody of that stature, yes. that prophetic, you're right. Like, like that, you can't predict that because that's like one in a billion that you can say that. And he turned to Ken Krogh, and he can be my witness to this. And he said, "Ken, you need to help him when it, when it happens." I was so freaked out by this because, again, that gives me chills because yeah. you know who I think he is and who you think he is. Like that means something, right? If you're Catholic and, a, and the Cardinal said this to you, you'd be like, "Wait, what?" I freaked out. In fact, I said, "I said to him, will you do me a favor if you really?" believe this. Will you call my wife and call my bishop? <laughs> like, like now. Tell them you said that because greater men than I have fallen far when, when that happened, if that happened to them. Like my biblical, some of my biblical heroes, right? And uh, so he did. He called my wife and he told her and he, my, he, he asked my bishop, he came into his office and he said, this is what I think. And, and you just got to be ready. So I got a call from one of his very close family members in the last two weeks says, Hey, you remember prophecy? I'm, I'm not kidding. I'm like, 
yeah, I haven't want to say, I didn't want to say anything. He's like, it's happening right now. And, um, and I'm like, yeah. And, and, you know, and, and again, all you jealous people out there who want to rip on me, cause you think, you think this is fun. You think it's fun being called a pedophile? My, 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 my child called my wife in tears, uh, saying that, did you and dad get divorced? I just read in, I just read in the news that you're divorced and that, and that dad has a girlfriend. I mean, this is not fun, right. you guys. You, you, all, you, you, you love to hate me because you think you want this. Yeah. Believe me, you don't want this. You know, <laughs> you know it's interesting. Nothing great has ever been accomplished without creating just a divisive right? Like, like if, yeah, it's the unfortunate truth of society. Everybody draws an opinion, one side or the other, uh, of somebody that's going out and doing something. It's either out of jealousy, it, it's out of, you know, or they support it, right? And they're, and, and it's just so interesting to see. I mean, we see this ha happening in entrepreneurship. We see this happening in government. We see this happening in, you know, great causes like you're, you're running on. And, and so, and first of all, I applaud you for taking a stand because I know it's, I know it's not easy. It's taking hate and having rumors. I actually get a lot of hate. About yeah. me. I have a divisive personality. I can tell, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I take a stand. I have, you're right. Like never, uh, there, there's never like, uh, where do I sit on this, this uh, issue? And so um, I resonate with that. I resonate with like, you know, standing up for what you believe in. Everything. It's, it's so sad, you guys. Like I just, I just, and I just, I started my own podcast on a whim like a month ago just to support the film. And I finished episode three. I get a phone call from Donald Trump's team. Hey, the, Donald Trump wants to come on your podcast. I'm like, what? Yes. But, so I did. I interviewed him. And it's, we're dropping the podcast t today or tomorrow. Was this when you went and visited him this last week? Y yeah. Awesome. So I, I, yeah. I went to Bedminster. He hosted the. Now, I want to tell a story that's crazy. That it talks about how crazy this divisiveness is. Right. I cannot understand it. Like, I just cannot understand it. But. I was called to the White House. The crazy story, like three, maybe three years ago, I think it was 2019, maybe four years ago, I can't remember, but I, I was on the um, Laura Ingram show, okay. it's, which is filmed in Washington, D.C. late. So I'm, I'm getting back to my hotel. I get a call from my office. Hey, the White House called. They were watching the show. The president was watching the show. He wants you to come to the White House tomorrow. I'm like, what? My God. Like, you know, I'm going to try to clean my suit because I'm, like, <laughs> well, I'm going home. I'm okay. So I show up unshaven. Like, I walk into the White House and, and, no one told me that, like, I, I walk into the West Wing. I think it's just him and I. He wants to talk. No, it's, it's in the cabinet room. The leaders of every um, anti-trafficking group is said, I recognize some of them. Like, oh, my gosh, what, what am I doing here? And they said, oh, go find your name tag, you know, and sit at the table. And I didn't, I didn't have a name tag, which I understood because right. I was just invited. Got invited yeah. yeah, so I'm just like, I'll be the wallflower. I'm just want to, that's cool, I'm here. And the woman comes up, she's like, Mr. Ballard, you got to go sit down. Like, oh, I don't mind. But she's like, no. And she points. And so... There's only one chair with no name tag, and it's, it's higher than the other chairs. It's president's chair. And then next to that, I didn't even look there because why, why would I be there? But there I was right next to the president. Wow. So they sit down, and all, all this is on C-SPAN. You can watch the, right. the video. And I sit there, and he just says, okay, Tim, you spent, I understand you spent 10 years, and the, the, all the press is in the room. So I understand you spent 10 years on the border. Tell us about human trafficking on the border. Now, I, this is not political. Right. This is, this is easy. Right. That Clinton built more of the wall than anyone else before or after. I mean, Trump was heading there. It wasn't political. It's a tool to rescue children. Right. Because the United States is the number one consumer of child sex in the world. So you don't want to be a lost child in the United States. 85,000 unaccompanied minors showed up in the last two years under this administration. 
and they were let in without any vetting. Just whoever showed it's it's I've said this before and it's true. It's harder to adopt a cat from a shelter than to go pick up one of these kids. That's wild. It's the most I, I heard something you shared just recently. It talked about like they come in with a sponsor, like yeah. a written down sponsor. Tell us about that. Yeah, That's yeah, crazy. I mean, these guys are making $14 million a day, a day, the child, the cartels. So the kid comes across, thousands of these kids, according to the CBP data I've seen, are under five years old. They come across and there's a name given to them. And, and it's just like George Smith with the phone number. That's the sponsor. So Health and Human Services, by policy, it's not their fault. They have to do this. They don't like it. Um, in fact, there's, there's a woman from HHS named uh, Miss Rodas, R-O-D-A-S, came as a whistleblower and said, this is crazy. She said, we are trafficking children. Because what happens is there's no vetting. There's no background check. This is wild. You pick up the phone. You call the number. Hi, George Smith. Are you the sponsor for Jose Gonzalez? Oh, yeah, I am. All right, we're going to send them to you. What address do you want them sent to? They used to have to come pick them up. Not anymore. Your taxpayer dollars puts them on a train, plane, automobile, sends them completing the final leg of what is likely a human tra child trafficking experience, right? You know, and, and the crazy thing is, is like three or four years ago, it was so hard to believe that our government was bad for the average citizen, right? And then over the last three years since COVID and everything else, all these things have come out, right? You got like the Hunter Biden stuff, you know, Biden family freaking laundering money. Like it's, it's crazy to think how involved our government is in this, I mean, I mean, we are allowing this to happen. Allowing We're, it to happen. We are basically, you know, just as guilty as any of them. So I'm in the White House explaining, look, you got to enforce the border because it's, it's two plus two equals four. It's like walls force traffickers into ports of entry. I remember Kamala Harris, I testified to the Senate Judiciary Committee when she was a senator. So I know she knows this, but like, I remember she did a post once when she was campaigning against Trump about his vanity project, the wall, and it doesn't do anything. And she actually said this, which scares the heck out of me that she's our border czar. She actually said, we don't need a wall because all the seizures and rescues are happening at the port of entry. You, you can't, and it's like, are, are you really not, that's like, really? Is this an intelligence problem? Like, you can't congratulate the port of entry for anything like a rescue or a seizure of drugs without simultaneously Congratulating the wall because guess what? The wall creates the port of entry. <laughs> right. That's the whole point. That's the whole point. Uh, you know, and, and it's, not, it's not as if the traffickers with kids are driving like through an empty space of hundreds of miles and they find two posts called the ports of entry and that's where they're going to take the kids so you can maybe catch them. Like you need the freaking wall. So this is why I was so shocked. I'm just, that's all I'm saying in the briefing in the White House. I leave the White House and within hours I get a phone call from my office saying, Tim, We've just lost a thousand recurring donors that watched you talk to the president. And they, they said, call them. Please tell them that you would have said the same thing to anyone, any president. And it's true. I would have run just as fast to Biden, Clinton, Bush, Trump, equally. I'd say the same thing. And I said, no, I'm not going to call any of them. Are you kidding me? Like, they just broadcast a very important message, which is the plague, I think, of our, of our country right now. That they hate one person more than they love rescuing children from a life of rape. They didn't stop giving money because they thought we weren't rescuing kids. No, because I dared say anything to the president of the United States. And I, you know, I will say anything to anyone in power. The, 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 the leader of the free world, are you kidding me? I don't care what party you are. I don't care what religion you are. I don't care what you are. If you're in that position and you have the power to leverage resources to rescue kids, it's, it's incumbent upon me to go ask for help and tell you the truth about what's happening. And so. 
I'm going to take a lot of heat again for interviewing Trump, but I did it and I'm excited about the, the you know, it's going to air this week and, and it's, but it's, 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 it shows how sick we are as a nation that we put politics and even our perception of people and a, of a person above every, it blinds you to everything else, everything else. Truth doesn't matter. Science doesn't matter. God doesn't matter. I want to hate Children don't person. Matter. Children don't matter at all. And, and that's why Sound of Freedom is being attacked right Because they don't want to have this conversation about the 85,000 children. They don't want to have the conversation about how children are being sexualized in the name of sex education. They don't want to have the conversation about what's happening on what I call the trans voice on children. Right? Because you understand, pedophiles, I've been hunting them for two decades. They put their literature out there. And they're getting bolder and bolder because because the leftists in this country, I'm not talking about liberals. Right. Liberals are different than leftists. I respect liberals. Right. We can have a healthy debate with right. liberals. Yep. Leftists, wokists, okay, whatever you want to call them, that's different. That's what pedophiles are looking at them going, I like you. Thank you. You're doing our job for us. We, they, we've been trying to sexualize kids. We've been trying to get kids to be, have the a power to consent. They, if, if you look at the pedophile literature that's been out for decades, kids should vote. Kids should have, well, why? Because we want them to consent to sex. Right. They won't say that part out loud, right. but that's what they're trying. Kids should consent. But you got to sexualize them first. And that's what our sex ed and TikTok and everything else is by 13 years old, our kids are sex addicts. And now you're telling them, hey, sweetie, you, you, you are brave and bold and you can consent to gender mutilation on yourself. Well, if you can consent to that, it's, 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 it's only one more inch to right. consent to having sex with a 50-year-old pedophile. And that's why the pedophiles are salivating. And now in your state, in your state, and in, in the state of Oregon, parents can lose their kids if they don't gender affirm. It's and the pedophiles are salivating and applauding because for the first time in the history of America, we are doing the job that the pedophiles have been begging us to do. It, and that's the conversation that these guys don't want to have. When, when, when the operation went down in October 2014, that's depicted in the film, it's all filmed. There's a documentary coming out about it. The Guardian, uh, Rolling Stone, MSNBC, CNN, all of them applauded it. They reported on it. I was on CNN. I was on MSNBC. Good job. We all agree this is bad. The story didn't change 10 years later. But the same outlets are now saying, bad story. Uh, QAnon, QAnon story. Uh, Tim's a, a Masonic wizard and crazy. And, uh, they don't want to. They want to discredit Sound of Freedom because they don't want to have the conversation regarding what I just talked about. They right. don't want to talk about What's happening to kids? Because it'll hurt their agenda, right? And that's why they're doing this. So let's let's talk about because because clearly, yeah, the promotion of the sexualization of and, and education of children early on is, is is leading to these policy changes, which will allow it. But like, what are the core things that lead? Like, how can we help teach our children, raise our children right, where they don't step in that shoes, right? Not only not only children. Protecting our children now, but as as adults, how, what what are some of the, the core things? So there's two there's two avenues because again I've been hunting these people for a long time. There's two avenues. One is is, is more tragic than the other, um, and and even sad for the pedophile. But if you're if you're sexually abused as a child, your your chances increase significantly when you hit puberty yourself and start thinking about sex. Your neuropathways have already told you that sex is with adult and, ch and a child, so they'll repeat what happened to them. It's, it's horrifying and sad. Um, in fact, the guy in the film Bachman, you know, who was bringing the kid across the border, that, right. that was the case with him. He's still in jail. He was, he was sexually assaulted. 
this is the guy that you met up with in the restaurant. No. Or the guy that the was guy actually that drove bringing the van. Him. Got it, got yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so the other one is, is sex addiction, which comes from porn use, right? So what happens, the brain responds to pornography just like the brain responds to marijuana or any drug. It's not even the naked pictures or the substance you're putting in your, in your body. It's the, it's the dopamine release. It's the endorphins. Your brain releases chemicals, and that's what you want. And porn does it. But if you smoke marijuana every day, 10 times a day, right, eventually the chemical reaction is going to get weaker, and get weaker and weaker. So that's why they elevate. There's stronger things. Same happens in the porn world. You can only look at porn so much, the, the legal stuff, the adult stuff, before it's like, dang, I'm not getting the hit. So they go to something crazy, like some weird fetishes or your bestiality, and they usually end up with, and with children. And they'll start looking for 17, 16, barely legal, then 15, then 13, then all of a sudden they're traveling to some high-trafficking area to look for a child. So you have to combat the demand, and a big part of that is educating kids. Don't, and again, this, this counters what these people are doing, and it counters what the pedophiles want. They're fighting this. Sexualize, sexualize. Get, kids deserve to know. Look at the books they're giving kids right now. Third graders. Right. Teaching them about every sexual position, every this. Like this whole thing. Like this, this in, our, in our state, they're actually starting in first grade. My gosh. It's crazy. Like you can't, you, a child's brain can't handle that because their brains are little sponges. And you're teaching them to want sex. And not to be raw, but I just am. But like some of these, they're also teaching them in some cases to go masturbate so they can have a feeling associated with the pictures. So they're, by the time they're 12 and 13 and told you can consent to anything, like you, are, you have groomed them to the max, and they're ready to go. And the pedophiles are like, this is awesome. And there's more pedophiles than you think, by the way. If there's 2 million children, and that's according to State Department and others, 2 million children forced into commercial sex, what kind of demand justifies that number? More than 2 million. There's more pedophiles than people want to even imagine. And they're sitting back going, this is kind of cool. Pretty soon the day will come when it's going to be cool to just – the kid's going to say, hey, mom, not only am I in the wrong body, but I'm also the wrong age. I mean, what's more fluid? Like, I, I adopted two kids from Haiti. Like, I knew that one was a boy and one was a girl. It was pretty easy to tell. I didn't know how old they were. Age is more fluid. Right. So if you, if you can make the argument that, that you're in the wrong body, you sure as hell can make the same argument that I'm the wrong age. And when mom and dad come and say, no, sweetie, no, you're not 50 because that man wants to have sex with you. And I can't. That's, 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 that's a bridge too far. Sorry, mom. You, threw out, you already threw out, you threw out virtue, God, science. You threw it all out to get clicks because you let your kid gender mutilate, right? And you're a hero, and, and now you can't stop them. It's too late. The laws have codified around this perverse idea that children can consent. My 13-year-old can't consent to do what they want to do on a Friday night. You think I'm going to let them put poison in their body or chemical, you know, chemicals that, that, that hurt their reproduction? I mean, it's, it's, it's insane, right? And so when these kids who are now sexualized, thanks to our sex ed programs and TikTok and, and social media that parents aren't controlling, it's, it's too late. They lost the argument. It's a trap. And the trap's set. And mom and dad aren't going to be able to stop it. And if they do try to stop it, thank you, state governments of Washington and Oregon. And they're going to take your kids from you. So, so most <laughs> people that hear this are just like mortified, right? Like yeah. my wife absolutely hates the whole thing that's going on. It, does, it doesn't make sense to her. But you're saying it's, it's moving upstream, right? So, so how, do we, how do we move upstream? How do we, you know, how do we get the covenant established? Or, or what does that look like to you? How do you see that play out? Well, I, I just turned to history because they did the same thing. You know, 
look at you look at what the situation George Washington or Abraham Lincoln were in, right? Like there's nothing more dire than what they were facing. Like it would it'd be like China and Russia invading our beaches. That's that was Washington's reality. And uh Lincoln watching to the tune of hundreds of thousands killing each other, right? So that was pretty dire. And and they got the Lord humbled them so deeply during that time of trial that they turned to God. And the answer was the same both times. Turn the people back to me. Turn them back to me. And he'll and once you once you do that, you start seeing miracles. My books are about this, right? Then the miracles on the battlefield of the of the revolution, the miracles on the battlefield in in the Civil War. And then people start recognizing, okay, God is real. And then they start coming back to God. Because what happened was in the 60s when we took, push, started pushing God out and, and misinterpreted the Constitution, the First Amendment, to say that there's this separation. It's a separation to protect people from any one denomination becoming empowered. Not a separation of God from the people or God from the government. Not at all. I mean, the very people who wrote the Constitution were invoking God. Right, so it's 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 an oxymoron to say that they didn't understand what they were doing, but when you pushed God out, darkness backfilled it with this crap, and that's and that's what that's what we're seeing right now. It's being backfilled with sex education, this voice, this trans voice on kids, kids. That it had to backfill something, and so we've got to we've got to clean that out and bring God back in, and then once people start seeing, and this is according to history, once they start seeing the miracles, they start believing more and believing more, and the more they believe, the covenant is activated and the more blessings of liberty, protection, and prosperity start to, to come back in. And, and, and you don't have to believe my words, just believe Lincoln, believe Washington. They said it, they saw it, they witnessed, and they said it. And, if, and I, my books are all about that, right? I mean, you read the Washington Hypothesis. Right. I mean, you can, read, you can read Thomas Fleming's book on Washington, is this thick? And he mentions God like once or twice and makes Washington, maybe, we don't know. And you read my book, it's all primary sources. Is there any question who Washington was? Right. I mean, it's crazy how they can change or you know edit things out of history. Like Washington believed in God and intervening God. He he invoked it. He talked. It. I mean, it's 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 all right there. And and that's we need to follow that pattern again. So, question for you. So you're involved um, or used to be involved in like the front lines of this work, right? Like going in. You know, obviously you got to get to a very dark place, right? You're you're associating with these pedophiles, associating with these traps. The, these guys that are just terrible human beings. Drugs, alcohol, sex, I mean, everything that you can think of. How do you handle those dark moments? Like, how do you use your foundation Christ, your foundation of family? Because obviously you're a family man. How many kids? Nine. Nine kids. Father, father of nine, right? You, like, you see these as beautiful angels. Like, walk me through that. <sighs> well... It's it's a it's a it's a constant struggle. I'm my therapist tells me I probably need a whole year or more to really heal my brain because I'm done undercover now. But I I went as long as I could. How uh, many years? Uh, about fifteen years, which is probably ten years too many <laughs> uh, in this theme at least. Because you got to pretend to be anything and everything, and you know, and yeah, it it, it burns holes in your brain. And then you see images of children, and how do you purge that? That's what I'm working on right now, <laughs> uh, because it, it it you the first ten years or so I thought I was fine. I didn't get help because your brain naturally compartmentalizes. I mean, so like w- walk me through like during those first ten years, like what would you do? Like what were some like practices or whatnot to like 
come back like okay I, you know to recenter I mean, and i mean everything to me was always very much faith you know and you know i i, I go to our, our temple that's a cleansing place uh, meditation prayer you know after a lot of ops i'll just try to go somewhere like i'll stay an extra day just to, before i even see my family but then uh, then you know i'll have a breakdown i'll have things your the brain's a complex thing it's not supposed to see something right it's not designed to see these things but someone's got to see them right and so i mean i mean i've had moments of full breakdown like like wake up in a parking lot like what what just happened and that's when i started realizing i i got to get some help like i got to in fact, uh, in, in 2020, fall of 2020, I had that happen to me. I was about to go on an operation. Something triggered. I also have OCD, which is, is a blessing and a curse, depending how you use it, right? <laughs> and for sure, PTSD. And I had this whole break. And it was a cool story. I, I, I mean, it hurt like heck, but I, I woke up and I was in Florida. And all I can think of is Tony Robbins and Sage, who are my good friends. And I just texted Sage. I'm like, 911. I'm in Florida. I didn't even know I was there. I don't remember what happened. I ended up in their house that night. They, they brought me in at like one in the morning, stayed up with me all night and just kind of ministered to me and like, and like prayed with me. And like, and that began a whole journey of healing for me that happened between 2020 and, and, and now. Um, and then now that I'm out of undercover work, the healing continues. But for me, the foundation is Jesus. The foundation is the cleansing power of, of his grace and atoning of atonement. And, and, uh, and that's what I'm still, just learning to use better. So if I'm hearing you right, I mean, really, the solution to everything is invoking the covenant, which is turn to God, reestablish families here here in the United States, realize what this is all about, quit relying so much on science, literature, and everything else, but like become a righteous people again. That's and, right. Which will ultimately cleanse. It sounds so simple. Like it's like looking at Moses' staff. It sounds so simple, but history proves the model, you know, and, and you know, it's funny because even these people, these, 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 these kind of godless folks who are pushing this other agenda, that's why I don't, they're, they're going to not believe me, but here, can I introduce you to a woman named Harriet Tubman? You, you want to talk trash on her? I dare you. Because she taught this same thing. I mean, she, all the people she rescued, because God told her to turn left and turn right. And she'll tell you that in her own words. I mean, they're, they're fighting, they're all pissed off because I guess Trump might have stopped the process of her becoming the person on the $20 bill, which I'm in favor. She should be on the 20 I, She's my hero. But you got to fight her if you want to fight the covenant. So that, that's how you have to fight, because I have no credibility with, with, with these people that need to be converted. They'll, they have, they'll, they'll, they'll throw me under the bus. They're doing it right now. But I'm just going to introduce you to Abraham Lincoln and Harriet Tubman and Harriet Beecher Stowe and George Washington let me, and Ronald Reagan. Let me, let me introduce you to these people. Fight them. That's awesome. <laughs> what? Uh, so I know a lot of my friends that have seen the movie. They're like, now what? Right? Like, I saw the movie. I'm aware of what's going on. Maybe I donated to a cause. I bought somebody a movie ticket so they can see it or whatever. Whatever it is, right? Like that's kind of the the message that's been putting. But the next question is, is like, how can a regular old person help in the cause? Help fight it. Help either fight it upstream or downstream. How can we be involved? So there's a new thing. I'm I'm an initiative that I'm a part of. Um, I'm not an executive because I vowed never to. I can't be an executive because of the elevated profile. I'll never be an executive of a nonprofit again. Yeah. You're so vulnerable. You're so exposed. People think they can come after you just because you're a part of a nonprofit. So I'm like I'm consulting. 
I, I, I'm as an independent person, but I'm 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 consulting heavily with one group called the Spear Fund. Um, Ken Krogh, who I mentioned earlier, he's he's on the board there. And what the Spear Fund is, it's a scalable approach. It's a new approach. Uh, one of the problems we see in the nonprofit world is the scarcity mentality, where every institution wants everything for themselves, right? And if you're being very honest, which we all need to be, and look at it through the eyes of a child who's in some corner of the earth and in hell, you want the best rescuer to go to that child, right? And the best rescuer is not going to be any one organization as great as they are. But there is an organization that is the best for that child. Well, I'm in a unique position to tell you which one that is. No, no donor could find it, but I can find it. I know these organizations, and they're ready to deploy. They're already on the ground. Um, we funded an organization recently that they were the only group in this corner of the earth that could have rescued a handful of kids. I had never heard of them before. They, their budget was small. Their marketing was pretty bad. But they got the funding, and they rescued the kids. I couldn't have done it. And so that's what the Spear Fund does. It's not a rescue organization. It's a unifying organization. And, and basically, it, it taps into the, the beautiful benefits of capitalism, yes. which you don't see happen very often in the nonprofit world, which is if you're the best, you're going to get the funding. And we hope to harness this greatness, this great kind of goodwill and all this positivity coming out of Sound of Freedom. We expect these coffers to be full, big time. It's already happening. And why is that good? Because I want people to compete. Well, get better then. If you want to get better, this is capitalism. Be better and you're going to get the funding, right? And I'm only doing it for the kids because I want the kids to have better. And so I'm really excited about the Spear Fund because it's, like I said, very scalable. We could... We could run the top 10 rescue operations on the planet in one week. I couldn't do that with this in being in one org. But I can because it's the 10 best organizations all working in the same week in different areas, and we're funding all of them. When you, when you started OUR, or back when you were called to, to start this um, and leave the FBI, were there this much, was there this much activity? Because it seems like it's... No, and that's, a good, that's the point, is I couldn't have even done this model. One, I didn't have credibility in the space. No one knew who I was, so they, they, didn't, they wouldn't have... And I didn't know who they were, if they existed. But over the last 10 years, so many organizations have popped up around the world. And some of them are very mom and pop in one little country. And, but they're the best for that kid. And so, and so now that I know who they are, right, and now that they're prepared, it's, 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 it's really fun. Because, and, they're, and they're shocked. I call them, wait, why, why are you giving me money, OUR guy? Like, you're supposed to not want to give, you know what I mean? Like, they think I'm, no, I'm, I'm just representing everybody. I, I love the concept of being able to delegate where the funds go because to your to your point, right? Like it it'd be like relying on different governments to deploy funds properly, right? There's probably some governments that are efficient and other ones you're just like uh, they were efficient, but then they become inefficient and you no longer want all funds to go there or whatnot. So it, I I totally resonate because that that's the very capitalistic model. Like right. reward the winner, reward the person that's right. It's bringing the most value and, from the dollar. And you know what you're going to love is, is people who are listening to this who are business folks, right? Is you're, you're, the, the, the ratio of, of overhead to project is phenomenal over here. Why? Because we're not funding the overhead of these orgs. Right. And the overhead of Spear is very limited. Like right now, it's, I think, probably nothing. Like the people that are working in the, in, as the executives are working for free. Eventually, I think they right. should get paid, but that's yep. for them to decide. I'm, but the point is, when the grant money comes in, we're not, we're not sending money to cover someone's overhead. You better be good enough to at least have covered that. Right. It's going right to mission. Love right that. to mission. So you know your, where your dollar is going. It's going right to, and I'll make sure it goes right to mission. So, so that's, it's, that's, uh, I really love that, man. Uh, so you know, one, one of the reasons I wanted to do this interview is 
I so I don't monetize my podcast, right? So I'm you know one of, I'm top twenty five business podcasts in the world, and we don't drive the traffic anywhere. I don't sell them any product, don't do anything. But I've wanted to get a uh, a cause that I could push my uh, push my following to, and I'm really excited. I, I want to put together something with you, in, in which in which we can drive our people because this is a this is a cause I I, I love the uh, turning people to God. Fighting human trafficking, saving our children, God's children, not for sale. I love that message, uh, by the way. And so I'm, I'm really excited to, to formulate that. One, one thing I'll do, uh, we'll, we'll have a link put together uh, to be able to donate to the Spear Fund. Awesome. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll put that in the comments, and I'll, I'll start uh, adding it to my adi- uh, um, additional podcast and whatnot. So, but uh, really, really excited for just, just everything that that stands for. Like I said, I'm a capitalist. I want the most return for my dollar, and by in in this regard, return is saving. Right, and I and I think, right. uh, you know, I think that's anybody's concern around donating to a charity. Right, is that what is this dollar actually like? If I donate a dollar, is only a penny getting to the bottom? Right, because yeah. I mean that I've heard crazy statistics around like Red Cross and every everything else, and, and so like um, I'm a big believer in you, big fan of you, big, uh, and I, I know. Like I, I just love your story, love everything you're about. Like I can get behind that, so I'm I'm super super stoked about that. Um, what, and just kind of imparting words, like what is the message that you want to share with the world? I want people to know that you know this is this is the fastest growing criminal enterprise in the world, and just because you haven't heard that before doesn't mean it's not true. There's there's been a lot of effort to hide it, even innocent innocent effort of I don't want to look at this. It's hard for even even honest media to talk about it because they're just like this sucks. I'd rather not even not, I'd rather not know this is happening, um, but it is happening and it's happening at rates higher than we've ever seen. And you know I'm I'm very concerned. I I was with uh, Speaker McCarthy two days ago. He did a he hosted a screening, and then and then committed to 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 a bill to go find the eighty five thousand kids who disappeared. I couldn't believe it. I'm like this is crazy, like because. Look, this is this is this is really happening. Uh, Sound of Freedom is the first time that I've seen it go far and wide. Like people are waking up, and so I would just ask people, like, help us, you know, help us, help us deploy. There's brave men and women willing to go into the darkest places on the planet. We just need the light to give to them so they can take it into the dark. We need resources. We need prayers. We need, uh, you know, support. So please, like people, everybody, go to the spearfund.org. Help us. Donate right now. We just need we need resources. I love it. We appreciate your time. We know it's valuable. Thanks again. Until next time.